1: For sure, 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 Welcome to another episode of For Sure, a 200-foot podcast. I'm Peter.
0: And this is Sarah.
1: All right, Sarah. So we have, um, a, I'm trying to remember it's either it's, it, it's definitely at least three time. It could possibly be four time. We'll, we'll have to talk about it in a second. Um, returning champion, uh, I think definitely in the lead, if we ever do the for sure green jacket, uh, or whatever <laughs> it is, I think it's the green jacket that they give to the returning SNL hosts, um, When they've done it five times or something like that. But anyway, uh, so we have returning champion, uh, Chris Watkins is in, is, uh, here with us, AKA Yolo pinato on Twitter, uh, when he's on Twitter, um, AKA the guy on Twitter that tells you everything you like is terrible. Uh, Mm -hmm. and everything you think is good is actually bad. Uh, so I know that's a lot to live up to Chris, but I know you could definitely do it. So how are you doing tonight?
2: Oh, man, you uh, know, Hayden, uh, summertime. Uh, no, i was just like, uh, no, I'm not doing good, man. It's, uh, you know, the the temporary uh, heat wave as it got pushed closer to the the sun's orbit has seems to have abated. at least here in the Midwest. Uh, but um, we'll see how long that lasts. Well, then that no complaints on my end. How about you all?
0: Pretty good. I want not to reveal anything, but you're wearing a sweatshirt and I am just <laughs> impressed, concerned. <laughs>
2: I, yeah so the, the fun part about growing up in chicago is like i literally just never paid attention to the weather <laughs> like i was like all right you know shorts it's like 35 degrees out yeah shorts that's shorts weather or it's like you know 95 like okay i'll play basketball and like uh sweat and go to the beach and like boots and stuff so uh so yeah so I, I unfortunately have no idea how hot it actually is um, i just see my wife like complaining and then like okay that that's what season it is so
1: <laughs> yeah, so um, you, uh, you recently moved from uh, a, a city very close to me. Uh, I'm mm-hmm. a little bit sad that uh, you won't be as close uh, for you know, any, any type of uh, potential meetups in the future, uh, <laughs> but basically you moved from New York to Chicago. Uh, so, so how was how the move? How are you settling in? How's it going?
2: Uh, it's, it's all good. I'm in a room. Uh, we had some guests over uh, uh, yesterday, so, you know, make sure everybody was backed up and then um, shoved all of our unpacked boxes into this room here. <laughs> so yeah. this is uh, <laughs> my soundproof studio for, for podcast recording. Uh, but for the most part, it's good, uh, it's good to have some uh, not be confined to, uh, uh, you know, very like 10 by 10 foot square uh, in, in, in the middle of New York. Uh, the baby has her own bedroom now. So she's like going, you know, absolutely like absolutely crazy over that. And, uh, it's good to have my, uh, not to be in my parents' basement, <laughs> uh, like we were for the past couple months, but we were completing the move. So, yeah. So, uh, to all the people out there who were like, looking at my bio, I was like, yeah, go blog from my mom's basement. And I couldn't say anything because, <laughs> <was. laughs> uh, uh, you know, I'm glad, I'm glad to have the leg up on them once again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah with your
1: um uh your twitter personality you never want to show any weakness uh, exactly you
2: no, no. <laughs> uh, it, it's not in my best interest so uh so, so yeah glad glad to be uh ahead in the game yeah so for um for
1: anybody who does who doesn't know if uh if if, if you don't follow chris on twitter um yolo underscore pinato um it's uh basically it's uh I would say 50% of the time it's Chris like making fun of Toronto fans, basically trying to like, he has a competition with Nick Mercadante about which one of them control the the <laughs> Toronto Leafs fan base the most. Um, and it's, it's, it's pretty impressive, pretty impressive. Um, but another, another rivalry, um, I guess maybe in the making uh, is uh, Montreal versus Tampa Bay. Look at that sure. segue. Yeah, look at that segue, right? Um, because we have just finished the Stanley Cup final uh, a couple nights ago. Uh, Toronto, or not Toronto. Oh my God. I'm getting ahead of myself for talking about like, uh another question that i was thinking about before um i got yeah, toronto put, on the don't brain don't put toronto
0: and stanley cup in the same sense, unless it's about how they didn't make it people will <laughs>
1: always know it's a mistake they're like wait a second hold on something's wrong there like they're gonna know i i, I obviously misspoke um so tampa bay i'm sorry tampa bay <laughs> makes it a repeat two in a row uh beating montreal um and uh Chris, I know you. I, from what I understand, like you didn't watch a ton of it, uh, but I know, you know, obviously, you know, you, you know, you, you know, the teams and et cetera, et cetera. Um, so what did you think about this, this matchup? What did you think about, um, you know, kind of Tampa winning two in a row, Montreal making it all the way to the finals against all odds, et cetera. Like, you know, you know, what are your thoughts about the end of the NHL season?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think, I, I think my first takeaway was like, okay, all is right with the world. Like, uh, if have forbid Montreal would one. I actually uh, don't have that big of issue with Montreal as a team. Like, their fans are are not on social media enough for me to worry too much about them, uh, <laughs> or, or they are, but it's on like the the francophone uh, version of Twitter. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, so I'm not too worried about pissing them off. I, I do have uh, a long standing dislike of Carey Price's reputation, not him as a person. Uh, I think he's an amazing person. Uh, just a very over, pro, I think I might have said that Carey Price is the most overrated player in NHL history. Um, <laughs> and, and this playoff run did not do anything to dispel that notion one way or the other. Uh, <laughs> and so, uh, uh, so yeah, so I think I always right with the world that time of day won because I think um, anybody who's watching hockey, whether you're po- uh, uh, for analytics or against it, can derive their own narrative like Hey, you know, analytics, like, you know, hey, they're good, you know, they they built the team top to bottom. They have skill on the fourth line, they've done a good job drafting and developing. They've, you know, taken shots on uh, you know, smaller guys like Brady Point um, and Russian guys like you know, Nikita Kucherov um, and really built it up. They also built with through a rebuild of getting Stamkos and uh headman. Um, and then the non-analytics guys can counter and say, well, they didn't get over the top, so they got you know, Barclay Goudreau and uh, uh, Blake Coleman and Pat Maroon and all these, you know, you know, bottom six guys that helped push them over the top. So everybody's happy <laughs> at the end of the day once Tampa Bay wins. Uh, if Montreal would have won, like, oh my goodness, no GM would ever be fired again. Like they would just like <laughs> lock in like, appointments uh, because it's like, yeah, you know, I know Barn Bergerman was in the job for t- 10 years, but look, he splurged on a whole bunch of like third parent defensemen and a backup goalie and Josh Anderson and like, like he made a Stanley cup run. I'm like, uh, okay. Like we saw Dallas last year. Like you, you all were there, right? Like, yeah. we do, like we, we, Everyone said the same thing about Dallas. Like, yeah, you gotta be like gritty and all that and do your goaltender. It's like, okay. Like what happened to Dallas this year? So like, the but the story this. So, I mean, yes. Like as much as I don't like the Canadian hockey fans in terms of the ones that are just super like over enthusiastic about their team. I like, they deserve one. And Eventually they have to win one and no matter which fan base wins, they're going to be annoying about it. So it's like might as well just rip the mandate off and let it happen like eventually. But I would actually prefer it to happen to a good team uh, instead of this version of the Canadians. But uh, for the most part, I mean, I think the right team won. Kudos to the Canadians for doing what they were supposed to do and beating the teams in front of them, especially Vegas. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I thought in terms of like the, the world not ending tomorrow outcome, like that was the best uh, case scenario for everyone. (laughs)
0: Peter, who are you who are you rooting for?
1: I was rooting for Montreal because I <laughs> I want to see the world burn. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. I I I don't like okay. On on one level, I like that Tampa Bay, um you know basically they kind of built up their team uh chris like you were talking about before um you know some of the you know some of the guys that they got are you know smaller guys but they're still obviously you know good uh good players uh they kind of went against some of the narratives uh on how to build a team um but, you know, like you said before, like so well is like you could almost find kind of any narrative you want. Um, so it's like on one level, I, I respect Tampa Bay a lot. Um, I think like, for example, if you're watching, uh, you know, if you're trying to figure like how to how to do an NHL power play, you know, you, you could do, you know, it's, it's hard to do much better than Tampa's power play when they're really clicking. You know, they have uh, one time options on both sides. You know, they're kind of moving the puck so fast. Uh, you know, they're not allowing teams to get set up, um, you know, as opposed to when, you know, I watched Detroit and basically (laughs) it's kind of lackadaisical and it's always going to one side. And, you know, when you watch Tampa Bay, you can see like, Oh, like, Oh, it could actually be different. It could be better. Um, You know? So I like that aspect of Tampa. Like it's, it's hard. Like, I mean, I can't say, Oh, they didn't deserve it. You know, I can't say, Oh, they were, you know, they weren't a good team. They weren't good enough to win. I mean, of course they were, but I don't know. As a Detroit fan, I just don't like Tampa. Um, (laughs) Kucherov is an amazing player. He's also low-key one of the dirtiest players in the NHL. Um, He's kind of got that Malkin thing where, you know, if you don't watch him a lot, you don't see it. But I remember um, I did a podcast a while ago with, uh, I think it was Caitlin Dividock who covered, Pittsburgh and I I said that something about Malkin being one of the low, like the you know the most low key dirty players in the league and she was like oh 100% oh 100% <laughs> you know she's like he is he is one of the dirtiest players in the league like it's just that he's so good um and it's like you know Kucherov pulls shit all the time um and you know as as a as a fan of uh you know pl- uh you know a team that plays both of those teams I think I I I hate Montreal less uh <laughs> You know, in terms of just like seeing them play against us. So because of that, I wanted Montreal to win. Uh, what about you, sir?
0: Ooh, tiebreaker. All right. (laughs) Uh, I didn't really watch too much of it. Um, I guess I was leaning Tampa just for a like the world will make sense. Um, you know, but also extremely biased and saying, Okay, well, the Iser plan worked for them. So he should be, you know, even more invested in Detroit. That's like his home. So the Izer plan can work for us too um you know he's not that far removed from them um you know i did i did was looking at pictures for you know meme reasons and realized when he was in tampa he was like always dressed like a bond villain he always and now it's like he wears like sweatshirts and like sweater (laughs) vests and he's got this like cozy comfort on so i'm like see he's so comfortable here he doesn't feel like he needs his armor he's gonna totally build it up (laughs) we're gonna be even better um you know and it's Kind of like you said, it's hard to hate can- like the Canadians just because it's so funny that we beat them four times <laughs> last year. So it's like we have this you know, petty victory. And as long as they're showing 2009 Game 7 highlights every Stanley Cup final, I am going to keep <laughs> digging up any morsel of happiness from the past that I can until they finally bury that, which they probably will next year because they won't have the rights to the NBC footage because it'll be on ESPN. So... <laughs> There we go. But that's a long, a long about way to say, I guess I was happy for Tampa and how mad it made everyone. They're like 16 million over the cap. Like, well, yeah, that's the, like, that's the rules. They played by the rules. You just hate the rules. So maybe this will <laughs> inspire them to change it.
1: Oh, oh oh my god so i was just i was just thinking and i i have to say this really quick um i I'm, I'm not sure chris i'm not sure if you're somebody who watches this but i'm 99 sure that sarah watches this every year um mm-hmm. when you said that like they, they're not going to be able to show it anymore sure. i was thinking like how can they how can they still bother you and then i remembered that every year on british television they have the big fat quiz of the year and they have a group of school children act out events from the past and so next year they're gonna have like Sarah's going to be watching it and all of a sudden would be like, I'm Nicholas Lindstrom. I have the puck and Sarah will be like, what, what, how did they get to be here?
0: Yeah, Or they'll be like, here's like, they're going to finally take up my offer of NHL drunk history series. And <laughs> instead of doing fight night at the Joe, like I think would be awesome. They'll do that. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: Oh my God. Um, uh, but yeah, so an, another, another NHL season down, um, obviously, we're all hoping that next year could be closer to normal. Um, You know, from what I understand, I I know nothing's permanent, you know, totally set in stone, but um, a lot of the changes that they had previously for this year and then for the bubble, et cetera, um, it's, you know, they're trying to be as close to back to normal as possible for next year. I think as far as I, as far as I know, it, it should be the, Back to the same divisions, you know, back to regular divisions. I know they said no Canadian division anymore, uh, <laughs> which I don't know. I just think it would be really funny if Toronto got a Canadian division again and then still failed to make it again. <laughs> that would be unbelievable.
2: I mean, yeah, I, I reiterated the point, but I was like, I, I think, as I said at the top, like, I think Toronto actually got a pass because, like, If I mean, like the NHL did everything they could. It's almost like you know, uh, you used to watch wrestling or whatever, and it's like, oh yeah, you know, Steve uh, Stone Cold is like going against Vince McMahon. And the commissioner is like, all right, yeah, I'm going to have you go against this guy and four other guys. And they to like, break all the rules and distract the referee and like hit you in the leg with like a chair and all this stuff like that. And like Stone Cold still wins somehow or whatever. Or like, you know, uh, Vince McMahon still loses. I felt like that was Toronto. Like, Gary Deppin did everything possible to get his team over, like the the moneymaker for the league over. And they still couldn't do it. And I'm like, I feel like we're not giving them enough shade. Like, Toronto fans are the most obnoxious fans in the world. Because... (laughs) It's different, you know, when you're talking about, you know, Pittsburgh fans, you know, they won recently. Uh, the Rangers fans, they at least made a sub-final so recently, all that stuff like that. Uh, I'm trying to think of my other list of various enemies on, on the hockey player. Uh, uh, but Toronto has nothing to base, base any, like, shade on. Like, the only thing is, oh, man, we're living rent-free in your head. It's like, yes, because, like, half of hockey media is, like, paid out of your coffers. That's literally the only reason why anybody cares if you all were based in, in you know, uh, Halifax, Nova Scotia, like no one would give a shit. Like, uh, yeah, exactly. like so, uh, so I, I feel like they get a, they got a pre-pass, like because everybody naturally moved on. Like, no, because if the shoe was on the other foot and they had won, you would not, you would not only not hear about it, you would only hear about it in the months after the cup final, but then like the next 10 years. Like they would never shut up about it. I mean, yeah. it's like the Cats fans now, like except turn up to 10 where it's yeah. just like every five seconds they remind you that they won in 2018. I mean, <laughs> we remember all of the decades before where you all didn't win and literally in the most excruciating fashion as possible. We didn't forget those. <laughs> and so Toronto, I feel like, would just be like multiplied, like times infinity. Um, and, you know, Cats fans have gotten past since they won a cup. Uh, I feel like Toronto would like, yeah, remember those 50 years of incompetence? Like, forget all those. Like, we're the, we're the, we're the best now. I'm like, hmm I don't think that's how that works. <laughs>
0: which which would make it, I think, better for next year to go back. Cause then like they'll be like, ha 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 ha, we aren't at the bottom of the Atlantic. <laughs> and be like, so we don't that's not a burn on us. We like Red Wings, we know we're bad. So yeah, really that's yeah. like, you know, again, that puts us back in the position to be the spoilers. Be like, okay, if we're back <laughs> in a division with like Tampa and Toronto and Montreal. Like, what are they gonna do? Beat us. Right. <laughs> if we beat them, it's like we won the Stanley Cup. If they beat us, it's like, oh good, check, check the box. Analytics works. Like <laughs> yeah. well, I'm like, yeah, bring them, bring everybody back home. Bring Dallas in, bring everybody. Let's just build a division of all the like almost and the winners. Right. <laughs> and then just see how that stacks up against the worst team ever. <laughs>
1: right oh man. <laughs> yeah, I was I was thinking as you were talking, I was uh I was trying, I was getting a picture in my head, Chris, of um uh Mark Bergevan throwing uh Kyle Dubis off of Hell in a Cell. And I was like, oh boy, it's like the one wrestling reference I know.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, I would I would pay to I would pay to see just like a GM, like like even in any competition, like it can be tiddly wings, so like yeah. it could be wrestling. Like I don't I don't care. Like I don't want to see I want to see Burger put those muscles to use, like uh, or at least like you know, for the trade calls, like you got to like arm wrestle, the other guy. Or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and like that increases the draft picks. Like I just want to see him actually use the muscles for, for his job. Like one, just once. Yeah. If
0: schools do schools still have field day where you're like, send the yeah. kids to jump over hay bales and like put a bat on their head and spin around and get dizzy. Like that's how they should start doing draft picks. Like draft order is field day events. Tug of war. <laughs> Let's make this more interesting. They need ratings. There you go. That's yeah. more interesting than, than bingo balls. <laughs>
1: And on that note we're going to take our first break. <laughs> that seems like a good place to stop uh so when we come back uh we're going to have more with Chris Watkins. And we're back. Uh, So we are here once again with uh, Chris Watkins, who's joining us for the entire episode. Um, So obviously, that's awesome. Uh, We are going to, you know, basically there's a there's a story uh, going on in the uh, in the NHL, um, and you know, in Chicago specifically but you know obviously there's there's a lot to to say about the nhl and how it handles things like this um i'm pretty sure if i remember correctly i don't think sarah and i have talked about it on the show uh but we wanted to talk about it especially because chris with your background in chicago it obviously makes perfect sense mm-hmm. um so uh for for people listening at home i'm guessing you know what we're talking about but just in case i will i'll give you a a, a little uh Uh, you know, kind of primer on what's going on. Uh, So basically there's been uh, an accusation by a, um, well, actually it's hard now because there's been different accusations, right? But there's, uh, it started off with uh, an allegation that one of the uh, Chicago Blackhawks uh, video coaches um, sexually assaulted, uh, I believe it was not just one, but it it was several players, um, and basically the short version as we understand it now, and obviously, you know, uh, we, we know this through, uh, filings and things like that. So it's, it's allegations, um, at this point, um, where basically the, the allegation is, well, like I said before that there's uh, sexual assault, um, and the, the gist of it is the allegation is that basically the team did not really do anything, to take care of it. They didn't report it to authorities. Uh, And from what I understand, the, the, one of the allegations is that um, they not only didn't report it, but when the person left the team, left the organization, uh, they gave him a recommendation. Uh, And in the, uh, after he left Chicago, he went on to, uh, abuse other people, according to allegations. So, um, you know, this has brought up a lot of, uh, I'm, you know, goes without saying that this is a, a terrible story. Um, it's, you know, something that nobody ever wants to have to deal with. Um, but it's kind of a shining a light on a lot of the issues that we've talked about over the years in terms of the way that culture, uh, you know, hockey culture is where a lot of issues kind of like the, the you know, they're, they're, they're trying to be swept under the rug uh, or dismissed or um, covered up or things like that. Like basically everything other than like actually dealing with the problems. Um, So uh, I guess rather than just like ask a, a specific question, I'll kind of jump right to like, so Chris, like seeing this story, like, you know, how do you, what do you think about this? Especially, like I said before, in the context of all the other things that we've talked about before with this league.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it is, yeah, definitely indicative of a culture that's permissive of, you know, a variety of activities that in a normal workplace would just not be allowed. Um, you know, there was uh, also, I want to say a few months ago, a pretty uh, pretty bad report uh, coming out of the Pittsburgh Penguins uh, uh, organization uh, around one of the coaches, I think, at, uh, uh, I forgot, uh, WSB, I forgot what, <laughs> what uh, their junior team. Um, but going to the to the Chicago allegations in general, um, and, you know, as I and other people have pointed out, this was happening generally around the same time that the Akimelu uh, accusations against uh, I think it was uh, Jeff Peters or uh, or uh, uh, but his accusations of racism within the Blackhawks organization that was at the junior level. Um, and so what it sounds like you have here is that a a culture that just allowed a lot of these negative behaviors to permeate. Um, and what's more damning, and what came up in the lawsuit um, from one of the uh, affected victims after uh, the individual, uh, I think his name is Brad Aldrich, left the Blackhawks was saying like, you wrote a glowing recommendation of this individual knowing what they did um, and what they were accused of. Um, and eventually this individual went on to work with minors and was accused and actually charged and, uh, with assaulting a minor after he left the Blackhawks, and you know that to me was like should have been red flag number one it's like oh we messed up we, we know we're coming out uh we're going to the police immediately we'll know about this to cooperate the, the statements in X, y, and xyz and that wasn't the case until it was brought back up into the news recently and so i think there's just too many situations that have happened on a regular basis within hockey for hockey The hockey powers that be to be given the benefit of the doubt. Uh, Another great example is with Mason Miller last year getting drafted by uh, the Arizona Coyotes. And, you know, they made statements about doing their due diligence at XYZ, but uh, until public pressure escalated to a point where it was no longer tenable for them to bring this uh, draft pick onto their team, they would have pretended like that wouldn't have happened. And and for people that don't remember, that was an individual who was accused of, uh, I believe in middle school or high school, of, you know, uh, playing a very nasty and disgusting prank on a uh, black classmate um calling all, all types of derogatory names um and uh, only finding this out uh, after he's drafted basically so there's just too many of these situations where you know as good as you know people might want to be at drafting developing signing free agents x y and z like ultimately at the end of the day what you're ultimately judged on is your character and your integrity, and For as often as we cite, you know, these hockey people in power as leaders and leaders of men and so on and so forth, there's just too many situations of them literally dropping the ball in terms of taking a step forward. Uh, It's easy to lead when everyone else is following you. The hard part is to take a step forward and do the right thing when no one else is willing to do so. And there are just so many situations where you do not see that, where it calls into question, what is the level of integrity of these people in these positions of power? Because that's literally the only way these things happen on a recurring basis.
0: Yeah. And I think you see it a lot where in, you know, pretty much any situation, the NHL will just do the absolute bare minimum, be like, well, legally we're like doing exactly as much as we have to do, right. you know, or due diligence. Technically we don't have to report because of this, you know, legalese, blah, 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 where, you know, as everyone else is horrified being like, you don't get to just, Be like, well, you know, the fine print says we don't have to. It's like, well, you're, aren't you like a human, (laughs) a human person? Any human person would look at any of this and say, okay, I should like not only go the extra mile, but I should do every possible thing to protect, you know, anyone from a predator or from, you know, a horrible bully or, you know, from anyone who is a terrible person or doing terrible things. Like you, Mm -hmm. you know, that's just kind of this extra level, you know, of, Them making it worse by doing the minimum, but saying like, "Well, we did everything we could do," and by that I mean we did as little as possible just to make sure that we can't, we're not going to get sued. And it's so. And then they go, "Well, hockey is for everyone," and here's some rainbow merchandise, and it's just like, ah, I don't even know. (laughs) I don't even know. I just make like strangling at the air because I don't know what to say.
1: I'm a you know in my job as a as a teacher. I'm a, what's called a mandatory reporter where uh, I think that's the term um, where if I suspect abuse of one of my students, like, you know, if they come in and, you know, they have bruises on them or, you yeah, know, I mean, you know, th- you know, there's a whole bunch of different things. Um, you know, I, like if I suspect that there's something I am required by law to report it, but I mean, it's almost like if for some reason it was like, Oh, well, you know, I'm not saying this is the law, but it's like, you know, if the law says, well, they have to be my specific student. Like I have to have them in my class. Well, okay, cool. I guess I'll just turn around and do nothing. You know, like, 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 like that's, that's basically what they did according to the allegation. Um, You know, and like I wrote about the other day, I, the the team denies it, but I mean, do they have any credibility at this point? Right. You know, not really. I mean, I I don't I, I I don't give them any credibility. Um, you know, but kind of tying it back, you know, not saying that it doesn't deserve its own attention because of course it does. Um, I mean, honestly, I, I I agree with people that have said that like it's the it's the most important story in hockey right now. Right. Uh, more important than the Stanley Cup. More important than any of this stuff. It's the most important thing going on. Um. But, you know, it, it, it fits into the bigger picture of what we've been talking about with hockey culture, etc. where, you know, it's based on what we understand. It's hard to imagine that a lot of the people that work for Chicago at the time who now are in positions of power at other teams, it's I don't want to say it's impossible to imagine that they didn't know, but it just it, it doesn't pass the smell test you know, if based on what we know, you know, and, and it's, 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 it sucks. Cause it's like, I don't know. It's like, every time you turn around, it seems like at least once a week, there's right. a story somewhat like this, maybe not to this extent, but it's something, you know, it's, it's Mike Babcock. It's, um, you know, Don Cherry, you know, I mean, for the millionth time, but then it's not right. just Don Cherry saying stuff. It's Ron McLean sitting next to him and, you know, uh, I can't think of the term. I'm I'm a little bit upset. I can't think of the term I want, you know, kind of like uh like making it okay because Ron McLean's there. You know, yeah. it can't be that too, it can't be that bad because he's a good guy. Yeah, and he he's didn't normalizing say it. Yeah, normalize. That's it. That's exactly what I was thinking of. You know, and 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 then you have all the people in hockey like defending, oh, it's not that bad or whatever. Right. Um, it just I don't know, it just gets harder and harder to be like, this is something I want to be a part of. I mean, that sounds horrible, but it's true.
2: No, and yeah, so two things. So um so, yeah, I worked uh, for almost a decade in h r um and in some pretty senior leadership positions, and so uh, in those roles, you know uh, especially in workplaces, I've got like zero tolerance policies um, you know uh, you have these situations where it is like, okay, like okay who do you who do you trust? who do you believe in? you know there is legal ramifications and all that stuff like that. um but what I learned, especially as I got uh, more experienced in the field, is that Generally, you try to lean on what's right. You know, if you have an organization from the top down that says we're, we're going to lean on doing what's right, what's ethically right, as much as possible, like legal ramifications. Sure. But even for the Blackhawks, you know, going back, you're saying like, OK, you know, I've had situations, you know, previous employers where senior executives were accused of things such as sexual assault and have left to go on to other places and were fired as a result of those investigations. And legally we were restricted in some of the things that we can say, but we would not give a glowing recommendation of that individual going forward. We would have all the paperwork and the documentation and go through all the legal channels available to us when that person was in our jurisdiction to ensure that we did all that we could Whatever, we're not preventing We are not able to prevent that person from getting gainful employment from there on out. We can ensure that this person is never going to work at our company again. That we follow all the proper channels and we are protected from a lawsuit. So to hear, yeah, I didn't know what was going on. Like, it's your job to not to know what's going on. Like, if you don't know what's going on, you know, you can't put your head in the sand. It's like, I didn't see it, therefore, it's not my fault that it happened. Like, it is literally your job to know these things happening in your organization. If you don't, that means that you don't have the proper structures in place to, to do that. You know, if all of a sudden, you know, 20 uh, AHL players got injured and had career ending injuries or whatever, and they have been you know, you know, uh, overworked in the practice or whatever, the GM could not be like, well, yeah, I didn't know what was going on. Like that is literally your job to know what is going on with your prized prospects, even at the lowest level in the ECHL. So you can't use the same logic or whatever to say, like, well, I didn't know what was going on, like with Played within your team, especially because all evidence shows and all testimony that's been made public now shows that you did know and chose not to do anything about it. And so I think, you know, it's an easy cop out for a lot of people within hockey and a lot of organizations in general to just sort of use that as air cover. But I think at the end of the day, like what we've seen consistently, as Sarah said, in the opportunities where the NHL and the teams can lead from ahead and say, we're going to be aggressive and just do the right thing. And we'll figure out all the the downstream effects later. They never do that. And that downstream effects are always worse as a result, you know, Hey, yeah. Oh, you know, and racism is our thing. It's like, like, like these token things of of showing the right thing are like 17 months too late. And like, now everybody's moved on to much more substantive uh, courses of action and like and so at the end of the day, I think because of how long this has played out, how long people have been able to uh, succeed and been allowed to do things like saw what happened in the MLB with the Astros like cheating scandal. To me, this is right up there. I would prefer that everybody is at least, you know, at the very least suspended for a season. I prefer to see like none of these people ever to in the game of hockey again, but at least a substantial Significant financial impacts to them where they are not allowed to continue in the same world that they have currently. Because to be honest, if this was found out back then, they wouldn't be in these positions in the first place. So, Mark Bergerman, uh, Stan Bowman on down, like all those people should be on the chopping block right now.
0: Yeah. And like you said, I mean, it, it took a decade for this to come out. You know, what's happened since then, you know, and not just with the Blackhawks, like right. if, if something this horrible takes 10 years for someone to, you know, and this is not victim blame at all whatsoever. But saying, you know, that it that long, there's 10 years of history now where, you know, in my experience, when someone is not faces, no consequences, they're never going to change their behavior. So, you know, with the NHL, it seems they'll be like, well, they'll they'll straighten themselves out. No, they won't. No one in history has ever straightened themselves out with like, it's like, well, you could just keep giving them money and airtime and prestige. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure that they've learned their lesson. Like they didn't there was no lesson. You didn't even teach him a lesson, like right. there was, you know. So it's, you know, it's like how every every rock that's turned over, there's something worse, and then there's ten thousand more rocks to keep turning over, and you know, it's so. Mm. Uh, yeah, I'm just gonna make like angry noises because yeah, I, I no, I mean, nothing. like
1: you know, like what you said, like like the Babcock stuff didn't come out. Uh, you know, the the Babcock Franz and stuff didn't come out until the Babcock Marner stuff came out, you know, and and then you're hearing about all this other stuff that he did. And, you know, I I think, I I don't think any one of us will be surprised to see him coaching in the NHL next year, next year.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, I mean, he's, he's going to be back in the NHL because, because there's no consequences, you know, it's uh. It sucks. <laughs> I'm trying to think of a better way to end this segment, but I think, unfortunately, like, I think it's a fitting, I think it's a fitting end to say this sucks, uh, rather than me try to make something positive out of it, because it's sure not hurts. positive. It's it's not positive. Like, it's bad. It's, it's bad. We want it to be better. We, you know, people are trying to make it better, but it sucks. So. We're going to go to a break. We're going to come back and we're going to answer some of your mailbag questions, which will be fun. It, it will not suck, uh, mm-hmm. but we'll be right back.
0: And we're back and we're going to move on to a couple of mailbag questions. And we're going to go ahead and start with our friend JJ, JJ from Kansas. <laughs> and this one's for you, Chris. He wants you to share your favorite comeback to a Salty Leafs fan, as well as some tips and tricks for kicking that hornet's nest.
2: Uh Oh, uh, favorite comeback against the Leafs. I thought it meant like favorite. <laughs> I thought it was like favorite comeback that like the Leafs were involved in. You know? No,
0: like something, like uh, okay, something no, like, mean like... that you've said. and <laughs> <ain't Yeah>, funny.
2: <laughs> that makes more sense. So I think, yeah. So the 50, uh, so they won in 1967. So what is it? 50- 50... It'll be 55 years um uh, so that one only really works with older fans you know they haven't you know younger like you know tech savvy fans haven't been around and suffered through like i guess the really bad 80s like when uh <laughs> when you know edmonton and uh, uh the islanders were winning all the time and all this stuff so uh the no one since 2000 like basically basing everything said you haven't won since 2004 since like bush was in the office or since like uh, you know, uh, you know, Kanye West was like cool or something like that. Like, you know, just like dating everything, you know, 50 Cent was still considered like a good rapper. Like <laughs> just dating everything back then uh it, it is a good one. Um, you know, Nathan Horton, uh yeah, uh my favorite one, uh that it, it uh sort of it, it's a two-sided thing because you 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 uh insult a least fan and then also lift up another fan base is also always to point out Lou Lamarello's success since leaving uh the, the Uh, because that really, that really sticks across. I was like, oh yeah, Dubis is like I, I can't tell you how many people were like advocating for Dubis as GM of the year. And I'm like, oh yes, like I love it. Keep 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 it coming, keep it coming. And then as soon as they lose, like, well, we should have kept Lou Lamorello. And I, you know, I have mixed feelings about Lou's uh lose time in Toronto, but I still feel that a majority of credit even for the team's current success probably goes to him as in the same vein that – oh, not to him, but previous uh, GMs, Dave Nones, uh Brian Burke, all that stuff like that. In the same way that like, Gar- Garth Snow doesn't get enough credit uh, for the Islanders' current run of success. Um, but that one really – because they have no comeback. They, there's nothing they could come back from where it's like, well, but the Islanders. And it's like, you know, then they, then they shut up. So, uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's the best one. So, I, I, w- I would say, yeah, uh, about the Islanders, um, if you want to, like, really kick the Hornets' nest, I mean – You know, you can just point out like all the teams that you think are going to be better than them and just get real ridiculous with it. Like, you know, Carolina. Okay, sure. You know, that's fine. They can justify that explanation. Uh, You know, uh, you know, like I said, the Islanders. But then when you get real obscure and say like the uh, the the senators, okay, then that's really starting to piss them off um you can say something like the ducks it's like hey man jake sanderson in like five years man he's gonna make morgan riley look like crap or whatever Just like <laughs> just go really just go really beat there um but like at this point it's like it, it, it's almost too easy like uh, <laughs> like they only have the, the um the argument that they're the most popular team and that everybody cares about them i'm like i don't live in canada i, I pay zero attention to this where i have to live like a smaller like slightly cleaner chicago <laughs> um but no one is spending like tons and tons of energy thinking about like all of the chicago teams and whatever so it's like yeah so i, I think I, yeah that's the only thing i'd say it's like no one cares about canada enough to have really a strong opinion about the least in canada and even then like no one really cares about them either so yeah <laughs> that, that really pisses them off so uh that would be my our, uh my assessment to jj nice
0: better insult than i have i just Anytime they're like, well, Austin Matthews, I'm like, well, Austin Matthews looks like Robert Zadar with a terrible mustache. Like, <laughs> but not enough people have seen Robert Zadar movies to get that reference. Uh, <laughs> so I was like, as long as I think I'm funny. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think my favorite was that um Austin Powers look or Austin Powers, <laughs> Austin Matthews. <laughs> oh my God. I'm just I'm really in it tonight, aren't I? Um that Austin Matthews looks like the lobby boy in that Wes Anderson movie. Um, <laughs> I forget what it's called.
2: Oh my God. Uh uh, I don't know. I, I love that movie. I just can't remember what it's called. No, um, the, the, the hotel the one. one. The Scuric D-Cup one is uh, for anyone that's a Parks and Recreation fan. There was an episode that uh, uh, how Ron Swanson uh, was trying to avoid getting back with his ex-wife. Oh, uh, yeah. And uh, and they end up getting back together. And uh, there was a lot of friction. In, oh, yeah. And their uh, reconnection. Um, and he basically rubbed off his mustache as a result. <laughs> that's what... Austin Matthews mustache looks like. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you just got to screenshot the side-by-side side of, uh, of that. And, and then, like, you gotta, you're, you're just undefeated for the rest of the year.
1: Oh, my God. Awesome. Um, all right. So we have a, another one from uh, Mike Alon. Uh, we answered the first part. It was about the, uh, the Blackhawks thing that we already talked about. Um, And so this other one was, was for the two of us, but you know, sometimes we'll have, uh, you know, segments with just the two of us and then the interview. Um, So we we're going to throw it. to all of us. Um, So which is the greatest hockey game played, not featuring a team you support. Hmm.
0: It's going to be, it's gotta be a game seven, I think for me. And, you know, there's been a lot of the it was four to one has come up quite a bit, which is like the only thing I remember about it. Um, yeah, that's hard. There was a there was a game seven between Boston and Philly. That I feel like the Philly was down like <laughs> three to nothing, and then they came back, and Boston was really really sad about it. So I guess any any game that would make some team really really sad, but the it was four to one game is is right there because like the, I still have the picture of the cake where someone made it like a Maple Leafs cake and said it was four to one <laughs> in icing written on it. Um, and the other game, which which doesn't count, I guess, because I'm ai am a Hershey Bears fan, but it's not a Red Wings game. And uh, it was when the Hershey Bears played the Adirondack Phantoms and Andreas Lilia was playing and he got in a fight. And it was when I realized that Andreas Lilia was still alive and still playing hockey. <laughs> Former Red Wings great. Andreas Lilia was playing for the Adirondack Phantoms. So that was another great game that was not the Red Wings.
1: Man. Yeah, uh, this is such a good question, Chris. Do you have one or?
2: Uh, yeah, I have a couple. I mean, one is easy for me, and unfortunately, that you all can't use uh, <laughs> because of Red Wings' focused nature of this podcast. You guys yeah. might want to question your like the uh, like choices at this <laughs> point. Uh, uh, obviously, uh, Game Seven of the um, 2009 Finals.
0: Uh, <laughs> I slammed my laptop shut. For anyone who doesn't know, that's also my, that was my birthday.
2: <laughs> oh man! man, no, man. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so I was a big, I was a big, big, uh, penguins fan back then. Um, cause it was just like the, the most fun scene to play in all the uh, NHL video games back then. And so I was a big fan, um, uh, I remember, I think it was that series of the year before where Brooks Orpik had, like, the four hits in 15 minutes. Uh, in 15 seconds. 15 minutes wouldn't have been as impressive. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, like a like a shift where you just, like, knocking everybody out. And like, yeah, hey, uh, yeah, you know, smash my pocket, yeah. And I was like, oh, this kind of sucks, actually. Um, uh, But, yeah, definitely, like, you know, Flory's, like, game-winning save and, and how good that team was. And I was a big Marion Hossa fan because he was – you know, associated with the thrashers. And so, you know, him, you know, whichever team he was going to was the one that would lose in the Stanley cup was a uh, kind of funny. So uh, definitely that one. Uh, I would also say probably the dueling uh, hat tricks game between uh, Crosby and Ovechkin, uh, I want to say in 2009 or 2010. Um, then after that, man, like I, I made the argument and it's probably just me. I was like, it is really hard for me to remember specific hockey games mm-hmm. after that, like, uh, I, I think the biggest critique I have at the NHL, and I'll make sure to pass it over to, it, uh, uh, to Peter after this, the biggest critique I have at the NHL is just really hard for me to care about teams that are not my team, mm-hmm. uh, uh, especially if they don't have like a compelling narrative. So like I was not going to watch, you know, I guess uh, even in Colorado, Vegas, like I knew they were two good teams, but like as far as the reason why we want to watch that, like it's very hard for me to build up any animosity or or support of either team because I hadn't watched them all season. And so I was mm-hmm. like, ah yeah. But uh those are the two games for me.
1: I, I've still I have still have trouble. Um
0: <laughs> even maybe an Olymp any Olympic games. I know I I actually I,
1: I think that's what I'm gonna go with. Uh well technically not the Olympics. Um because I wasn't really following it, and I didn't really watch any of this until later. I think I can technically say this because I would have been rooting for this team, but I wasn't watching it, so I, I, I wasn't supporting them at the time. Um, oh god, I, I can't remember who they played. the 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 team North America game. Uh, oh
2: yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I forget who they it was against Canada. I think or the U.S. Oh, yeah. It was right or I forget. You know what I'm talking about, right? Like like there was an amazing yeah. game with teeth, North America, and I can't remember who they played um but it was like back and forth back and forth back and forth um
0: yeah i think and did they lose but they made it like
1: they definitely really, lost really
0: really yeah they made it they were they were good i cuz i saw them they played exhibition games in here in dc so we went um and saw team north america and i think team usa and i think finland also and it was like uh team north america was just such a great concept and one of the few times that anything was like just really fun and i think that counts as a team that you're not like Cause yeah, I had Larkin, but that's it. <laughs>
1: like, yeah, yeah. yeah um, where is it? Oh yeah, T, uh, Team North America versus Sweden. That was it.
0: Oh, their jerseys are so cool.
2: Yeah, it was just jerseys. like such a good. Uh, yeah, why they can never bring it back again. Like the more yeah. people liked it, the less likely. It yeah, was, they're but- like,
0: whoa, too popular.
2: Yeah, <laughs> no, right. Yeah. It's like, oh wait, <laughs> let's hunt, make hunt. A,
0: we're gonna make an over thirty-five team.
2: Yeah, let's <laughs> like the NBA is like, and, and and they did this one time. And he was like, yeah, the dunk contest is. Well, yeah, people like it way too much. Like. The All Star Game is right. about the skill, yeah. And, you know the three point contest is like, yeah, let's take the dunk contest out of it. And like the next year, the next year they brought the it back was like the Vince Carter year, uh, which is like the best dunk contest ever and all that stuff. It's like, you know, if people like it, maybe you want to keep it, but that's beyond the scope of, <laughs> yeah. Itself, <right? laughs> yeah, I know
1: exactly. Um, so let's see, Sarah. There were a couple.
0: Yes. So we've got we've got two um, two Red Wings questions. And what um, we can
1: do is we can we can kind of uh Chris if you want to answer these like kind of uh in terms of uh your general feelings on things like this. Cause I know you I know you have thoughts on on some of um the the uh the, the specific things and here, then I'll
0: will I'll end then with a, a question that Chris can definitely definitely <laughs> chime it on. Um okay. so these two are from um at dom shut up on <laughs> yeah. Twitter. Uh so he says uh what he or she, or they says, what vets do you see the wings targeting this off season for the cheap one year deal thing? So they can gain assets at the trade deadline. And I'm going to say none. I'm going to say we're beyond that point that we have so much cap space to throw around, um, that, you know, if anything, we can pick up, you know, dead weight, but not actual players like dead contracts. Um, I, I think we've moved beyond the, like, I don't know, not the David Leguan style signings, but things like that. (laughs) Any, uh, Anything like that. Uh, you know, I, 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 think we're, we're past that, but what do you think, Peter? Um,
1: Let's see. I haven't really uh, any, paid... any
0: vets to flip at the uh, flip at the trade deadline.
1: Yeah. I mean, the, the problem with that is that a lot of times people are like, Oh yeah, that's what we're going to do. And if my memory serves me correctly, now my memory has been destroyed by the pandemic, but if memory serves most of the time that we do things like that, we don't actually trade the player at the deadline. Um, the last few trade, last couple of trade deadlines, there's like, oh yeah, we can trade this guy and trade this guy, and then it doesn't happen. Um, so I mean, I kind of look at that as, um, I maybe maybe you can think of it as kind of like a, a possible bonus. You know, what I mean, like like you should be kind of signing a player for a specific reason. Other than that, and if if it doesn't work out or whatever, or if there, you know there could be a possibility of maybe getting another asset at the trade deadline, like that's great, but like you shouldn't be doing it for that purpose, if that makes sense. Um, Chris, I know you definitely have thoughts about uh, this and about like like the the rebuild style in general, et cetera, et cetera
2: yeah uh i remember getting to this argument with reference fans uh, <laughs> last year about like them signing like uh you know who was it? john merrill and uh you know troy Satcher you know actually like or whatever but i was like uh who's out there like, oh Vladimir Meskov and i was like yeah like i don't really see the point of making these moves like you know they they're going to ruin your draft stock it's like no, no 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 like the draft, we're so horrible like the draft stock would be fine and we just flipped them for like a first rounder at like the deadline i'm like the last one year rental to like get flipped at the deadline for more than like even a second round pick was like pa parents are like twice in a row <laughs> uh and, and that was like 26 uh, uh i was one of the guys from um it's like brooks lake or something like that from the capitals it was like in 2017 so i like, yeah teams always talk themselves into this like every single year that we just flip this veteran that nobody else wanted to sign for free for like a very like uh you know valuable draft pick for no apparent reason um but it never works out that way and so uh unless yeah for me unless like the person like to me if you're taking a flyer on somebody like i don't know josh hosang or something like that or like some younger guy It's almost like how the thought process was for Vegas in the expansion draft or how Seattle is potentially going to do it where you're taking a shot on a younger guy. with upside that just has not produced yet. And then like that person is actually valuable because if they stay on your team, well, that's a, a long-term piece you can build around. Or if a contending team really wants them, well, you can flip them. And that person offers more upside than some 30 year old veteran coming off like, you know, like, if they get Tyson Berry, for example, like, what is that actually going to accomplish? Like, if they sign Tyson Berry, they sign us a contract that's overpriced to get him in the door and then try to flip him at the deadline, where well, the other teams could have signed us to that contract too and didn't get him. So, like, what is that actually going to accomplish for you? Um, and so, yeah, I think overall, uh, you know, this is something that uh, Prasant talked about a lot as well on uh, his uh, RIP podcast, um, where, you know, either it's up for the Red Wings to be aggressive or to double down on the rebuild, and I'm like, I don't think they're ready to not double down on the rebuild. So like to avoid becoming the savers who pulled the plug on their rebuild prematurely and now are still stuck in said rebuild five years after the fact. Um, I think they just need to just go the slow and steady route, find some flyers that no one else was looking at and maybe flip those for like unexpected draft picks. But other than that, just the most valuable prospect and the most valuable player on the Red Wings roster is a player that's not there yet. And to get that player, they just need to be abjectly horrible for another couple seasons um, uh, until they until they get to that point.
0: I'm thinking of a mom voice. It's like we have players to flip at home because, <laughs> 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 you know, like like we flipped Mantha and got you know, yes. it felt like you know because it, it was like that whole trade deadline, and it's easy to kind of only remember the Mantha part, but the whole time we're like, uh, is that it? Like, <sighs> is this it? Is it? And then the Mantha, I think they were like, whoo. Thank God. Cause like, we were all kind of like about, I was about to criticize Steve Eisman. I didn't want to have to put myself through that, but it's like, we have pieces to flip at home. And I, you know, as much as anyone get, you know, irrationally attached to every player. And I'm like, no, we should just keep everyone forever and they should all play really well. Well, they won't, you know, yeah. there's been, you know, rumors now of the Maple Leafs having interest in Tyler Bertuzzi. And as much as I wouldn't want to see that, I also wouldn't mind seeing them get absolutely fleeced and, you know us getting a whole bunch of really great stuff having another mantha a mantha deal obviously they'll send us austin matthews and i won't be allowed to make fun of him anymore right (laughs) you know but it's you know those we have it's like you know really we have players at home we do. we have we have plenty of people that can flip that aren't aren't you know stanley cup caliber and i hate saying that because it's cliche and stupid but Mm -hmm. like you know, any of Prashant's charts will all be like, here's how they would perform. Blue is good. Red is bad. And like <laughs> every player is red except Larkin <laughs> yeah <laughs> and you Jonathan know, s- Bernier. <laughs> except for this last season. I mean,
1: R- Larkin was like really red this season. Yeah. Uh, but, um, you, you know, one thing I think is interesting is that obviously, you know, uh, Chris was pointing to, you know, some of the, the free agent signings. Um, you know the good thing is that Eiserman was is, is not going out and repeating mistakes of uh, past Red Wings general managers, like like one person I can think of of um, signing players to four year deals and five year deals and six year deals uh, yeah. in free agency. Like you know, uh, you know he's signing these players to one year deals and maybe two. Um, so if it's a mistake, you're not stuck with it for. Yeah. You know, right now trying to figure out, do we buy out Franz Nielsen, uh, you know, um, which everybody knew at the time would be the conversation now, but we had hoped wow. to get more out of him before that. Um, but one thing I think is is promising in that regard is that a lot of the trades that Iserman's been doing as the Red Wings general manager have been in the mold of like what Chris, Chris, were you were talking about before. Um basically taking flyers on players that haven't worked out in other organizations. Like obviously the Brendan Perlini deal did not work out, but the um, Robbie Fabry deal did work out, you know, tremendously uh, so far, you know, and, and it seems like Iserman is trying to like, it seems like that's his plan uh, when he does add pieces um, unless it's somebody where you can add like, a really good young player for, for, you know, as like a foundational piece, Um, it's basically try to see if we can find value with another team that they haven't found, you know, you know, they haven't basically realized their potential Um, and it's not always going to work. Like I said, Brendan Perlini flamed out, didn't really work, but Fabry did. And you know, that I, I, it seems like that's what he's going to be trying to do um, for the next little while in terms of, uh, you know, looking for value where other teams don't see it, which I think is, I think is good. Uh, let's see. Um, and Sarah, there's one more from him, right?
0: Yes. Okay. So uh, yeah. The second question was uh, do you think it makes more sense for uh, Lucas Raymond to play the entire season in the AHL, regardless of play so that we can stretch his entry level contract longer?
1: Now (laughs) I, this is, this is going to be, this is an interesting question because um, one of the things I've been talking about a lot recently, just in general, but also like in, in kind of hockey, like we uh, uh, Sarah and I, we were talking about it with other people in our winging it in Motown, uh, like chat channel um, is how easy it is to kind of be like get get kind of lost in your narratives, Um, you know, things that you believe to be true, you know, (laughs) and and maybe, maybe they were, but then like, you have to be open to changing your mind if new information becomes available. And I think one of the biggest changes for me um, recently, uh, maybe the past couple of years is for a long time, I was on board. I, I was basically a proponent of like, yeah, you, do, you, you know, slide that ELC, you, you want to save it for when they're better and they're in the league. Um, but from, from what I've seen, I've kind of come around to the other way of thinking, uh, which is on average, I'm not going to say it's going to work for every player, but on average, especially with, with players like this that are, that are, you know, uh, hopefully going to be top players, you want to do the opposite. You want to get them in as soon as possible because you want to get to their first non-ELC contract as soon as possible before they take off, you know, like you, like you don't want to be paying, you know, uh, Adam Fox, right. Wins the Norris trophy cats out of the bag. Guess what? It's pretty good. You know? (laughs) So now obviously I'm not saying New York's like, oh man, this sucks, you know. Uh, but you know, on some level, uh, you know his his next contract is going to be a lot bigger than it would have been if he had, you know, been a year later in in the uh, the process, right? But there's a lot of players who you can get them. And I mean, I'm, if I remember correctly, I'm pretty sure it was the second contract. Like like Nathan McKinnon got locked in on an RFA deal you know, he's not the only one, but he got locked in on an RFA deal and that worked out really well for Colorado. Like, I'm not going to say it's going to work out every single time, but it seems like on average, the smarter play for a team with a very good player is to get them to their first RFA contract as quickly as possible so that hopefully you can take advantage of um, getting some of those years a little bit cheaper than you would if it was later on and you saw you know, they, they realize more of their potential. Um, that being said, I do kind of hate that as somebody who is a supporter of the players, right? Because I don't want the players to get screwed. But at the same time, if you're talking about in terms of building a team, you have to look at it through that perspective. Um, so that's my answer is, is basically if he is ready to play in the NHL and it's not going to hurt his development, like he's not in way over his head. I want him in the NHL once he's ready. Like, I don't want to keep him in the A show longer than we have to. That's that's my perspective.
0: Yeah, I think I think you're right there. And, you know, I've said this about trades and drafting too. It's, you know, it's not only about building the player, but it's about building the whole team. And, you know, if you can get him playing with the people that ideally he's going to be playing with for some time and, you know, being part of a Stanley Cup caliber roster, or, you know, just the playoffs. Let me, let me reel that back in. Just making the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, getting... Getting him here, you know, wherever, whatever league he needs to be in, you know, but not promoting him too early. I, I always think about how, you know, Zadina came up to the NHL and, you know, he struggled. He went back to Grand Rapids and then he came and was like, just took off totally on fire. That's exactly where he needed to be. Um, you know, so it's, it's a business thing, but it's also not crushing the player, but also getting them the competition they need to grow. Um, you know, just finding that, that right spot for them to grow as a player and also as, you know, part of a line and be like, well, what kind of chemistry are we already seeing? You know, what, what are we missing now? And you say, okay, well, we got two guys here who are really good. What kind of third guy do we need? Maybe that impacts how we draft, how we trade. Um, I just want to make the playoffs. I just want to make the playoffs (laughs) wherever he has to play for us to make the playoffs in the next three years. That's my answer. There
2: you go. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, quick, quickly, uh, and Peter, we talked about this a bunch uh, when it came to like doing Larkin and stuff like that. 100% in, in agreement that getting them up faster is usually better, not only for the, uh, the whole burning the ELC thing, just like, yeah, one of those hockey axioms that has no like basis and factor logic. is just like, yeah, we somebody thought this was a good idea, um, uh, and decided like that's the way going forward, uh, like goalie pools. Um. So, uh, so, yeah, so I think that's part of one of it. The other part of it is, like, there is also, um, and you see this a lot in, a, in the NFL, where a lot of the thought process now is when you draft a rookie quarterback, even if they're not, like, amazing and they're going to be a better player five years from now than they are now, Um, the difference is between that player five years from now is, like, he'll be, like, 20% better, but he'll, like, cost, like, 10 times more versus, like, and it's the same thing in the NHL where, like, yes, yeah, some players aren't ready to contribute from day one, but, The thought process around, for example, the Canucks with uh, 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 Elias Peterson and Quinn Hughes is like, man, it'd be amazing if we had cap space to build around these guys and go all in for a push right now. Um, Because once they sign their their contracts and they're in at eight to ten million dollars a year, it's going to be much harder to find support pieces around them. Um, the other justification for that is because you sort of <laughs> once you already have your like roster in place and it's already good enough, you, then you can follow the sample model of having your best player signed for two, three million dollars underneath market value. Because like, well, the team's already good. There's no cap space left. And I'm kind of don't have leverage at this one time anyway. So it's like I might as well lock into a good team or at least get a bridge deal here or there. Um, but, but teams are so risk averse that they actually, end up back themselves into a corner. So as you said, Adam Fox is going to take up a significant, you know, uh, uh, salary space versus all oh Man, It'd be great if I could fit all these young players under the cap at once and bring them all on board. Um, and so, yeah, so I think, you know, the, the other thing, uh, I, I, am just always very skeptical. Um, it, it always depends on like the situation and, and the talent base around them, but I'm very skeptical that any, that the ahl is a good development league for players particularly if they weren't going to be good players anyway i don't think that people go down to the ahl and say i'm going to work on wrist shots from 25 feet out i'm just going to be like a go from a single score to like a 40 goal score overnight <laughs> like that's not how the ahl works like they're like like i'm going to work on my uh, skating go from like below average to like up the, you know uh mason raymond or something like that yeah. so like <laughs> so i just think like the there's a lot of defaulting to the, the HL being a great developmental league or, or a, a, a major junior being a great place for players to stay and percolate, but they're just going to dominate and do well there, but that has no bearing on how well they're doing in the NHL against like real players. And so I think the best approach is, you know, identify what's best for your team's long-term strategy. And it's almost irrelevant who the player is just like bring them out, that uh, they're ready to do it. If you have a place for them to play, And if not be, I yeah, keep them in, in the minors.
0: I'm going yeah. to submit my question out of the mailbag. Okay. Uh, so this is, uh, what is the first NHL video game you've ever played? <laughs> and what is your favorite NHL game you've ever played? And I'll throw that to Chris first.
2: Uh, yeah. First one i would played was uh, NHL. No, not even NHL 94. That's a lot. Uh, there's a Mario Lemieux game that came out around the same time. It was like the NHL PA game where yeah. the players didn't have actual names or something like that uh, <laughs> uh and, and the teams were like you know the the pennsylvania like uh, arctic birds or something like that <laughs> uh so so i remember playing that i did play nhl 94 but wasn't all that impressed to be honest um but probably my favorite game was definitely uh nhl 2k8 um two reasons one oh, the yeah. soundtrack was utterly amazing um mm. probably by far the best video game, sports video game soundtrack ever. Um, and then they always have this move uh, with Jordan Stahl where you just like speed down the right wing, you know, make a deke and then like just go past the goaltender uh and beat him on the far post and So that's like 10 goals a game. So yeah, that was always a lot of fun.
1: I'm pretty sure that was the game where they had like all the like the alumni teams, right? Like all the old teams. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. 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 Um my First, NHL. My my first. Uh, see, it's hard because if if uh, if we could change it to hockey as opposed to NHL, it would definitely. Or no, be... ho- okay, hockey. Okay.
0: Any or just name yeah. all the ones you played. Yeah. and <laughs> talk about any of them.
1: Well, it, it would be because then it would be Blades and Steel. That was the first uh, hockey game I ever played for uh, Nintendo. And that was uh, that is an amazing game in its own right. Obviously, not even anywhere close to uh, you know the the, you know the fidelity of uh, to 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 the NHL. But it was it was a ton of fun. Um, I think my favorite. My favorite hockey game, I, uh, I do, I do agree with Chris. I really like those two K. Like, th- there's a couple years where two K made hockey games, and it was fantastic. Um, but I'm going to go a little bit off the off the path. And my favorite hockey game was a the hockey mode in ATV Off Road Fury Two. Um, <laughs> it's basically like they have now. They have Rocket League, which is amazing. Um, it's basically r- what they have in Rocket League, but with ATVs. Um, where they like hit a puck around and like, you know, a giant puck and they have to hit it into the goal and you could like play like four players against each other. And like my brother and I used to play that for hours. Um, Sarah, I forget. Are you, I I know, I know you play video games. I mean, we talk about this all the time, but I I don't know if you play hockey video games.
0: Not recently. (laughs) So the, I was texting my brother about this, which was why, why I thought of it. Um, I said, what was that game that we still have and still works on Sega Genesis? that we, we play anytime that we're home, which is rarely. So it's any, we had NHL 96. We had ESPN hockey night and which, which we lost somewhere in the house. I think we have NHL 97. I think 96 is the one we still have. Um, it's whichever, I think that one had Steve Eiserman on the cover. And what I liked about it is that you could just take your goalie and score a breakaway goal. So I think at one point, I'm sure at one point, Chris Osgood was leading the team in goals, goals and fights. (laughs) <laughs> so, but my, but my, my favorite game was NHL Hits 2002, hmm. um, where your players would get struck by lightning when they scored a like a hat trick. <laughs> And you could just, it was a uh, you know, PlayStation. So you just mash the buttons, cheat codes. Mm. So you'd have like a giant snowman head and you'd be playing with like a light up tennis ball and it'd be snowing or you'd be in the desert. Like you could just have this and you never knew what the, uh, you know, so we'd sit there and we'd like, okay, ready? Start mashing buttons and just seeing what kind of game we came up with <laughs> with all the cheat codes because we never wrote them down. Um, <laughs> but that's, that's also the most recent <laughs> and, uh, like, hockey video game I played would be still NHL Hits 2002. I mean, technically, the yeah. last one I played was n h l ninety six because we still have it, and our Genesis still works.
1: <laughs> nice. I, I remember NHL Hiss. That was a lot of fun. Um, all right, so we are gonna uh, we're gonna stop there. um so uh, real quick to wrap up. Um, if you, uh, first of all, thanks for listening. Uh, if you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow me at P Flynn hockey. You can follow Sarah at Helmeroids and you can follow Chris at YOLO underscore pinato. Um, you can follow the podcast at 200 foot pod two that's uh, two zero zero FTPOD. I will, uh, eventually tweet from that at some point, uh, <laughs> I am horrible at it. I say it every single time and I don't get any better. Uh, you can also, uh, we have a Facebook page uh, that I'm similarly, similarly bad at uh, updating uh, facebook.com slash for pod. And uh, lastly, if you want to get some for sure merchandise, some shirts, some pillows uh, there's a tote bag or whatever um, you can get those at uh, tinyurl.com slash for F E R S H I R T. Mm-hmm um so chris thank you so much for joining us it was awesome uh, thank you guys all right so have a great time uh we will see you uh actually we will be back next week uh typically it's every two weeks we will be back next week with our special draft episode we have will uh from the website Scouting, and then we also have dylan galloway from future considerations so that'll be fun uh we'll talk about all the uh um i i gotta figure out i got a week to figure out how to make uh, a a Buff Boys reference from the new season of I Think You Should Leave, which is amazing if you don't watch it. Anyway, have a good time. We'll see you later. Bye. For sure. 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 For sure,
0: for sure, for sure.